fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries, Webhead Summer, covering every Spider-Man film. We will fully spoil today's film, Spider-Man 3, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I am doing very well this afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Spider-Man 3, released May 4th, 2007 by Sony Pictures. It's been three years since the last one. Directed once again by Sam Raimi. A screenplay credit here for the first time on one of these by Sam Raimi and his brother Ivan Raimi together. Now, my understanding of what happened here is that Sam and Ivan wrote the first draft of this script because they also get a story credit. Mm -hmm. And their version, I believe, was Harry, Sandman, and the Vulture as Sandman's accomplice. Those were the Mm -hmm. villains of the picture. And then the producer of all of these movies, Avi Arad, insisted that they add in Venom and Gwen Stacy into the movie. Damn. Those were the contractual studio obligations on this film. Damn. Alvin Sargent, who was the onset writer for the first one, sole credit on the second one. He has screenplay credit on this too. I think he comes in and does the final draft. We're sort of taking ideas from the Raimi draft and meshing those with this, the Sony mandated additions. Um, scored by Christopher Young, who will go on to work with Sam Raimi again in Drag Me to Hell. Danny Elfman did not come back for this. Mm. It runs, let me tell you, I mean, let me tell you, I knew we were in trouble when I saw this one runs two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. 18 minutes longer than the first one. <laughs> yeah feels significantly longer than both of the other two it feels more than 20 minutes longer either than either of them (laughs) 45 minutes into this movie it starts like the plot of what (laughs) it is of like what is happening in this movie starts seriously really yeah 45 minutes in you're like oh it's about spider-man coming to terms with people liking spider-man now it is not a movie about any one thing. It is a movie about six different things that are happening simultaneously. And there is no real connection between all of those things. When it got to the end of the movie and the Sandman plot, like finally comes back around and he's like, I forgive you. I I mean, I can't even get into it yet, but, (laughs) but he's like, I forgive you. And I was like, Oh yeah. Sandman has, has kind of been the primary villain of this whole thing, but he has absolutely no connection to Spider-Man except this utterly contrived one where he's mm-hmm. somehow the secret killer of Ben, of Uncle Ben. And we get to see Uncle Ben get shot multiple different times <laughs> in different imagined cutscenes. You have hit the nail on the head, and I think that's why the beginning of this movie feels so long and disconnected because Sandman is the first villain we have ever seen who is not already connected to Peter. Mm, That's the mm -hmm. first time in any of these movies where we are spending big portions on the film on someone who we don't know. And it's just like a person out there in the world who will be important later. And all of that stuff feels really weird 
because of that, you know? It's like 20 minutes into the movie. They're like, we used to think that this man shows the guy that Spider-Man killed in the first movie, (laughs) killed your (laughs) uncle. We now believe it was this man. But again, it's 20 minutes in after you've already seen that guy running around doing stuff for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I have more questions about that, but we're going to, I think we're going to have a long villains report this week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This movie had a reported budget of 258 million, a rumored budget of 350 million dollars wait 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 so so what they put on the proposal was 258 (laughs) and what they spent was 350 that's what i've heard it was an npr article that said 350 million there's an npr article from 2007 called spider-man 3 why so expensive okay okay this supports my proposed master's thesis of showing how Spider-Man 3, 2007, directly led to the 2008 recession and financial crisis. I think everything can be drawn back to this film, and it's just blatant disregard. I mean, truly a, a monstrosity of a film. Well, look, it made $894 million back at the box office, you got to think that's because money didn't matter then. It was all that pre-crash oh. opulence. People were going to see Spider-Man 3 12 times in theaters. I would have. I I would have done it. I would have been sitting in my giant mansion with no plumbing and going out every night to watch <laughs> Spider-Man 3. I remember my grandpa taking Xan and I to see this movie, which is... Very funny if you know my grandpa. Only movies I remember him taking us to were this and Shrek 2. It was very funny to imagine him sitting through either of those. That's so funny. Did you see this when it came out, Emmett? Were your dollars part of this $894 million? They were not. 2007. What was, what was I doing in 2007? I don't know. Not watching this movie... Watching Donnie Darko alone at home? <laughs> yeah, probably. Watching a movie that had Jake Gyllenhaal in it rather than Tobey Maguire. Always a good choice. Hashtag bring back Jake for Spider-Man 8. I don't know if that's even the right number, but you know, <laughs> it rhymes. No, I had not I had never seen this, this glorious piece of film before. I had read things about it. Oh, I had wow. seen it. I had seen it made fun of on the internet before. I was aware of it as kind of a meme of a film, but I had never actually sat down and seen it all the way through. It was something special to behold. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) well, I just want to say third highest grossing film of 2007. It is still to this day, the third highest grossing film in the series. If you don't count the other MCU appearances, you know, so not counting like, Endgame and and stuff like oh, that. Okay. This is still the third highest grossing after No Way Home and Far From Home, respectively. And it was obviously its reputation is as a meme. Bully McGuire. It was not well received at the time. Fifty nine on Metacritic to the uh, seventy three and eighty three of the previous, and mm. no Oscars for this one. <laughs> no Oscar for most acting for Toby. <laughs> I didn't realize you hadn't seen this before, so I have to ask straight up. 
flop or bop to Spider-Man 3? It's a bop. It's a bop. God, <laughs> God save me. It's a bop. It's, it is... It is truly... Okay, so it makes me think about The Last Stand in that there you see the third movie in a franchise weighed down by absurd studio decisions and a bunch of BS, basically no directing, no vision whatsoever, like no style, nothing happening, and it's a complete disaster with too many different ideas. This is a movie with an abundance, a superfluity of style. And basically that's it. And like a bunch of things kind of happening all the time. I loved it. I mean, the, I, I can't, it was, it's not good. It's, and I cannot recommend that anybody watch it. <laughs> but for me, the scene, if you've seen this movie, you know the scene that I'm talking about. I don't want to say anything else about it if you haven't seen this movie. But there is a scene in which Toby Maguire well, does things. We're full. We're full spoilers. We got to talk about it. <laughs> we need to talk about Toby. We need to talk about Toby. Okay, wait. Before we get into that, though, you, uh, Spider-Man Three, flopper bop for you. I think also a bop for me. It's a very silly movie. I don't think it's a secret masterpiece, <laughs> but I feel like it is successful in a lot of ways. It is absolutely overstuffed. I mean, methinks they have a few too many villains in this one. <laughs> Which we've seen plenty of times, like, it's not like you can't have this many villains in a movie and have it be successful, but the way they are trying to do it, of giving individual backstories and developments to four separate <laughs> villains... All of which Spider-Man is like slinking off to separately fight from scene to scene. Doesn't really work. <laughs> but really, you know, really what I want to talk about is we have given Tobey Maguire a lot of guff on this podcast so far. And I do think this is by far the best performance he's given in one of these movies, if not in any movie. He is finally playing something. Finally playing, in fact, two things in this movie, and it is a big step up, I think. Oh, God, it's still abysmally bad. And the screenwriters, unfortunately, have just fully leaned into <laughs> to Peter Parker is just at heart the worst. Like, all the moments where they're like, you're a good man, Peter, that's who you really are. I'm like, really? Because he seems like he has also just like been a dick this whole time. Like, from, from the first movie on. This one is, I felt at least, like, way more superhero movie mm. than the other two are. Like, this yeah. feels much more like... I feel like this sort of sets the scale for the rest of this series and also just, like, most general superhero movies we're gonna get Yeah, post this. This one really does, like, have you know, like all of those different things. It's got a big city block sized monster at the end for a villain mm -hmm. too with the Sandman. So it's got plenty of that like whole citywide destruction, which I think is a hallmark of the Marvel movies. I want to say along those lines, a lot of fans of these movies in particular mm -hmm. will sort of dismiss later Spider-Man movies and be like, nah, like the suits all CG. Like I like the originals where, Mm. There's actually someone there. 
in all of these Raimi movies, it's just CG. I mean, obviously, not to take away like the practical effects work, but there is yeah. so much of just a CG yeah. PlayStation One looking Spider Man jumping yeah. around, even in the first movie yes, in two thousand two. Yes. So unless unless your favorite Spider Man is Nicholas Hammond. I don't want to hear you say that you don't like one because of the CG. Yeah. Because they are all CG. And this one, particularly, I mean, huge portions of this movie are like a CG extreme Harry Osborn on a snowboard bike and a CG Peter Parker just running through the CG streets for like 20 minutes at a time. That part was insane. I mean, th- that was really, I was like, okay, so it's a video. It's just, it's just a video game now. Okay, good. Glad this movie is two hours and 19 minutes long. Uh, really wouldn't want to miss any of this. Yeah. Uh, okay, kid, I have to just, I have to just try and, and parse through what happens in this plot. Maybe we should do it through the lens of the villain report. Oh, yes, perfect. And try and go like villain, villain by villain here. Villain by villain. So who would that start with? Yeah, I don't know who we should start with. I guess Sandman, Sandman. maybe. Because chronologically wearing the Steve from Blue's Clues outfit. Yeah. So he is an escaped convict. He escaped from Rikers Island. <laughs> he escaped. He dug his way out with a spoon. The look of this man, no offense, he's made out to look like he couldn't escape a lunch he was finding uncomfortable. And yet they tell us that he has escaped from Rikers Island. And made it back to the mainland. So yeah, okay. <laughs> and then his wife's like, "Don't come around here anymore, Jim." And he's like, yeah, yeah, "I need my green shirt." <laughs> and then <laughs> he's got the green striped shirt. A little detail I want to say about Sandman. This mm-hmm. may be lost on the average viewer, but the eagle-eyed viewer will note that Sandman has a daughter. Mm. Oh, yes. And, uh, if you're just watching this movie, you may not catch the many, many references to the fact that he has a daughter and is doing this for his daughter and loves his daughter and has a good reason to do this. So, Yes, the real crime would be not stealing the money to pay for his daughter's cancer treatments, which I believe is what it's about. <laughs> As the father of a daughter, Sandman would really rather you treat MJ with more respect. <laughs> I mean, he probably would. <laughs> Peter is horrible to MJ in this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, God, yeah. Talking about a villain report. <laughs> Truly, okay. Well, he'll be at the end. We'll yeah, add yeah. him to the list. Anyway, we've got we've got Sandman. He's doing things. He's stealing stuff. He's basically just robbing banks, as far as I can tell, to pay for his daughter's treatments. And then he gets turned into a sand monster... And that's pretty upsetting for him. And then Spider-Man fights him. Spider-Man thinks he's defeated him. And the movie also lets you think that. Because this movie has no idea what it's doing. At that point in the movie, they were probably like, yeah, he might be dead. Uh, I don't know where the, where we're going with this script. So if it just like looks like he's dead, and then later we decide to bring him back, that's cool. But if then like if we decide to cut that scene where he comes back, it would just be fine. I, I really feel like that's kind of the process that was going on here. Then we've got, what, Harry, young Harry Osborne, who at the end of the last movie had yes. found his father's stash of, uh, of like, basically steroids and 
uh, bombs and was like, yes, I'm going to get in some roid rage and kill my best friend. So he puts on the suit and he's going to screw things up. And he's like, he, it involves Mary Jane, right? Like, doesn't he kidnap Mary Jane again? Well, that's later. So he, he starts off the movie as hobgoblin or whatever you want to call him. I think that's his name in the comics. Then he gets a hit in the head really bad. Right. And then there's this incredible amnesia arc. I love the amnesia arc. It's his anime arc where he's just happy-go-lucky. He says, my father, he died, right? (laughs) After waking up. He just loves Peter and he loves MJ and he can't remember anything wrong with the world. He's painting a beautiful still life when we cut to him at one point. He's making a salad with MJ. He's just living his best life. He is really appearing as the best romantic partner that MJ has ever had prospects with in any of these movies. Truly, truly. And then you see uh, Peter's apartment and you flash back to that kitchen that James Franco had. Like, no, girl, you should be with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, and then he becomes evil again because he remembers. Just kind of because, right? He remembers and him and Peter have a fight. And Peter goes to kill him. Peter attempts to kill many people in this movie uh, and throws the pumpkin bomb back at him and then turns James Franco into Two-Face, basically. Yeah. Franco is, like, going to go out and kill Spider-Man again, but instead he is visited by Butler Ex Machina, who tells him that Spider-Man didn't actually kill his pops. Uh-huh. And then he's like, oh, I'm a good guy. And he helps save the day and dies protecting Peter in the process. Damn, how convenient. The obligatory scene where the villain who has been redeemed also gets to die. Um, how do you feel about this as as an end to Harry's three-movie arc here? I love all of the stuff up until the fight with Spider-Man. Like, and through that fight. I think it would be way cooler if Harry died there and Spider-Man actually killed him and, like, actually had to deal with some sort of consequence. Because it seems like Spider-Man is doing, like, a lot of bad things. Like, bad things. But, like, that's an actually pretty horrible thing. And, you know, he could handle that and, like, maybe really get his life together. I don't know. I just think it's, like, so dumb when... It's like, oh, we're going to come in and I'm going to like save Spider-Man at the last minute and jump in the way of the stabby board thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. He's dying the way his dad dies, but to protect Spider-Man instead to kill Spider-Man. I guess that's true. There is some sort of thing about that. Is that from the comics that Harry Osborn dies protecting? I'm sure there are some of them that are like that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. What about our next villain? Then you've got Venom, who is kind of split up into Venom the Symbiote, which Mm -hmm. has its own little arc. Eddie Brock, who is kind of like the fourth human villain, Mm -hmm. who eventually gets transformed with Venom. And also evil Spider-Man, who we'll, I guess, talk about next. But uh, how do you feel about Venom and Eddie Brock both? Okay, this is where this movie just really loses me. Like, (laughs) 
I mean, and I know this is like kind of like the whole thing of this movie, but it just it just like doesn't work. It, they should have introduced the Venom thing. Like that should be the very first thing. If like it's the movie about Spider-Man as a beloved hero, like failing the city, looking evil. But like the problem is they've already done the is Spider-Man evil for two whole movies. That's been like an ongoing part of the narrative. That seems like very strange symbiote venom is like kind of creepy and gross but i also think that for as creepy and gross as venom is like he's not doing very much in this movie there's hardly anything that venom Mm -hmm. is actually doing and then it's unclear why he wants to fight spider-man at the end like eddie like eddie brock wants to fight peter just because he's just just because he's a little tool he's like topher grace in his like worst possible time period just like (laughs) looking like a mean peter which peter is also doing in this movie so it's very confusing (laughs) the symbiote stuff is very silly particularly because it takes so long to get introduced so literally like in the first 10 minutes they set up all of these disparate villains and you're like, okay, this movie has a lot going on. And then for like the next hour, they will just occasionally like pan down in Peter's apartment and the symbiote will be like slowly creeping up there, just being like, don't forget about me. There's at least one, if not a couple shots that are like from the perspective of the symbiote. And I think that's really cool. That reminded me of the Sam Raimi thing in his Evil Dead movies, where like the camera is the demon running through the woods. That's really cool. The Eddie Brock, Topher Grace stuff is like, I don't know. I guess that's like the main thing of the movie, but that's the stuff that doesn't really work for me. Is it the main thing of the movie, though? Like, (laughs) as we said earlier, I kind of think this is a movie that doesn't have a main thing. Like, this is like six different plot lines and they're all happening. But I don't think there is like one thing this movie is about. Yeah. But he's sort of more ingrained into everything than Sandman is, I think. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say I love the shot of Topher Grace. After he's lost his job, he's got these blonde highlights. He's alone in a gigantic Catholic cathedral at night. And he's praying to God to murder Peter Parker. (laughs) He's praying for the death of his enemies. This little 20-year-old in church praying for the death of his enemies. Really like an iconic moment in this movie to me. (laughs) That's true. That That is pretty substantially great. Okay, before we cut over to evil Spider-Man, I would like to bring up a fifth villain that this movie introduces. Okay. You know her, you love her. It's Gwen Stacy, everybody. <laughs> oh, no. oh God! This this movie hashtag not my Gwen Stacy. This this movie features the best Star Wars director in the worst comic book girlfriend role ever put to film. It's like abysmally bad. The character assassination on Gwen Stacy. It is pure character assassination. They have, like, reversed the roles. Not only have they reversed the natural hair colors of Kirsten Dunst and Bryce Dallas Howard, which is weird things that they are playing. (laughs) They are playing a famous blonde and a famous redhead, but matched to the wrong ones from a famous blonde and a famous red-haired actress. 
That's in- that's really. But they have kind of reversed, kind of reversed the roles from the comics, where like now Gwen Stacy is like the sexy model temptress, and MJ is like mm-hmm. the insecure, like homely girl who wants like a secure boyfriend. The way both of them are portrayed in this movie is not good, but it is also sort of like the opposite of their traditional roles, I would say. Now, what about Peter's real lover, the girl next door? Oh, <laughs> you mean um, you mean the landlord's daughter? Yeah. We'll talk about her later. Catch me, catch me an MVP. That's all I have to say about that. Oh, my God. Okay, but... But yeah, so so Gwen Stacy shows up is this major antagonist in the relationship because she's or not an antagonist, but you know, like an antagonist to poor to poor old MJ, who's the only person left that I care about in this movie, because Peter has gone from mm-hmm. kind of annoying to just like truly awful in this one. <laughs> yeah, he's just the worst. Well, the thing he's like playing, which I think is why he's good. Is he is playing like super positive Peter for like the first hour. Mm. Like he is playing like dopey, happy Spider-Man, which is not at all what he is. I don't think he's really been playing anything before, but this is like a big shift. Yeah. Where Peter is always going around being like, yeah, everything's perfect. Life's just going to work out. It's all going to work out. Don't worry about it. I don't worry about anything. Yeah. And he's like doing that for the first hour. And then evil Spider-Man enters the picture and then he's playing something else equally well, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Is it the piano? Because I think it's time to talk about... (laughs) I think it's time to talk about the scene that defines this film. We've been dancing around it. Dancing around it. We've been swinging from the chandeliers. I love how at the end of the movie, Toby is just allowed back into that bar. No one says anything. He just waltzes right back in and they're cool with it. There's a part in this movie where Toby Maguire gets cool. Or as cool as Toby Maguire can get. He gets bangs, which he, he does. He gets evil, which makes him cool. By doing <laughs> this, he gets a new haircut. And then he's got bangs. And I think at some point in this motion, he also put on some eyeliner too. And he goes and he gets a, like a black yes. on black, gets himself a nice black on black suit and proceeds to take his new girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, to the jazz club where MJ is the singer, mm-hmm. which is already just a dick move. Already not a good look, not being your friendly neighborhood mm. Spider-Man. Then Gwen Stacy notices this. She's like, isn't that your ex? And he's like, it doesn't matter to me. He also at some point asks someone to hold the door, Pops. Because when Toby Maguire <laughs> goes to a jazz club, he has to speak as though he's a character from a novel set in the 1940s. <laughs> he says, now dig on this. He says, now dig on this. I mean, it is the... I, I <laughs> It is the best scene in any of these three movies. I mean, <laughs> we need to say that. It's incredibly directed. 
Like it's beautifully shot. It like looks it looks amazing. Toby Maguire does a dance scene. He like plays the piano and does this crazy dance scene with Gwen Stacy in front of Mary Jane. And then at the end, Gwen Stacy said, "Was that all for her?" <laughs> like yes, yes, yes. It, it was obviously. There's the incredible part in this where he like takes his jacket off. And then it does a snap zoom into Gwen Stacy, who's like blown away by the sheer power, like literally like blown away back into her seat and screaming at the power of him taking off his jacket. I mean, all of this stuff is so good. Like this is where this movie comes alive is in the middle when there's just a bunch of complications. And I love this idea that like Spider-Man has turned evil. Okay. What does that mean? That means he's going to point at women in the street. He's going to get bangs and he's going to be really cool and dance at a jazz club. Those are the evil things that Peter Parker can do. Yeah, it's such a strange choice. Also, like, what's the symbiote do? Like, how is he more powerful as Spider-Man? Like, like there's kind of this thing of like, oh, he's got to put on the black suit or the regular suit. So like the mm. black suit's like a little bit like more intense, like if he wears that. But it's not really clear what advantages he's getting. Yeah. Also, Topher, Topher Grace, who presumably has no powers, then gets the symbiote and now has spider mm. powers. Why? Why would that happen? Spider-Man already had the spider powers, you know? That's a good point. Did it adopt the spider powers from having bonded with with Spider-Man and then go back? These are the questions we need answered. Yeah, because he has like a sort of similar, like the Venom suit is kind of similar to the black Spider-Man suit when Topher Grace like becomes it. But it seems like that's like all the way over, like growing over him too. We also have to talk about the end of the dance scene where Spider-Man slaps mj across the face in public i mean it started with his homophobic comments in the first one now he's beating his girlfriend in public in the middle of the third one truly a shocking moment it really is that's just messed up there's really no excuse and i feel like this movie doesn't do a lot to you know I feel like this movie portrays them as the on-screen couple with the worst communication ever in a movie. Yeah. I mean, from both sides, it really just seems terrible. Like, she isn't telling him that she's lost his job. He's not telling her any of the things that are going on. They're both sort of, like, just ships in the night, but they're spending long periods of time with each other not talking about any of the extreme stuff that's going on with both of them. Damn. And then, of course, she gets kidnapped again because she gets kidnapped in all of these movies. It's It just does not seem like a very healthy relationship. And really shocking to me, a very sober sort of ending, you know, the final shot of this movie being him, like Toby, in a suit as like a regular nice guy coming to her club and they just sort of like hug quietly. And then it like quietly goes to credits. And like, that's the end of the whole trilogy. That was, it's like a very somber moment after the rest of this film. Yeah, because everyone has died, basically. (laughs) Their relationship is still on the rocks, you know? At the beginning of this movie, he's going to propose to her. That's not a word about that down the line, you know? Yeah, I kept thinking it was going to end with them at their wedding, you know? Yeah. But now, get this. 
I would like to introduce a brief little Bruce Campbell report because he has been in all three of these films in excellent yes. bit roles. I loved him in the first as the uh, wrestling announcer. He was in the second as uh, the usher outside the theater who stops Peter from getting in. Mm-hmm. In this one, he is in the truly excellent like extended bit as the maitre d at the fancy restaurant where peter is going to propose to mj and he's like cooked up this scheme where he's going to have the ring in the in the champagne flute and bruce campbell is like in on this scheme with them and working on it but when he's doing the french thing at the beginning basically telling him to do a fake french accent uh-huh. I, I loved it i was reminded of you very much in that moment <laughs> yeah he is so good in this one and i like to think that they are all the same person i like to think that this is not him in three little bit roles but that this one guy has gone from being a wrestler announcer (laughs) yes exactly exactly he is really great in this one and i feel like that's sort of like part of what makes this movie special is that like sam raimi is all obviously a horror director but he's also a very goofy director mm-hmm. i mean that's the army of darkness thing right where yeah. it becomes like a slapstick comedy instead of a horror movie and i feel like that goofy sense of humor is out in full force in this one yeah well, I mean, just like the fact at the very end that the way they beat Venom is by like banging on a bell, like vibrating him out of the dude. It's just like so over the top. Like that is so Army of Darkness style, yeah. just like. And then doesn't Venom explode and die? Or like doesn't Eddie die because Spider-Man threw the bomb to explode the Venom and Eddie jumped back in? Eddie like didn't want to be away from Venom, so he jumps in at the moment that Venom is getting blown up, basically. Weird. And suffers the same fate. Which also seems very like tidy for no good reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, talking about tidy, I want to say this movie obviously is the end of the trilogy. There were plans for a Spider-Man 4, which oh. was going to come out in 2011. With Raimi again, it was going to be finally paying off the Kurt Connors being the lizard. You see that he's lost his arm in this one. So they're continuing that plot in the background. It was going to be him as the lizard, John Malkovich as the vulture, and Anne Hathaway as Black Cat was the cast for it. And I think they had like six different writers do screenplays. Uh And I think that Raimi was just scarred from this one and never really loved any of the screenplays. Hmm. and dropped out in 2010 and then that was like the end of it so i want to ask like with this as the final entry in this trilogy do you feel it's a satisfying ending do you like where it goes do you feel like we should have gotten more i think it's really interesting that it ends with peter forgiving forgiving sandman for killing uncle ben Because that's the thing that, like, brings it back around to the origin story and brings it back around to the first movie. In a way, even more than, like, having Harry be a big part of it. So I think I like that part of it. I wish that their relationship was just better. And I think that introducing Gwen Stacy into this mix in this movie just, like, amplifies a lot of the problems. But I don't think they ever had a particularly good on-screen relationship. So I don't know. For me, these movies kind of had, like, diminishing returns. Yeah, I I mean, like, of the quality of the movie, diminishing returns. Now, I just enjoy this because there's, like, a lot of crazy stuff going on. 
but as like the culmination, it doesn't make a lot of sense. How about you? Well, it does feel so much like the end, you know, like, Mm -hmm. obviously they said they were planning a fourth, but it feels like the first one starts with MJ, Harry and Peter. And this one sort of ends that specific story. MJ and Peter are finally together and seem to have some sort of solace and Harry's dead after forgiving him and, and them getting back together. So like, it's all wrapped up. Now the, the Connors thing does kind of bug me because I love that he is just quietly in the background in all three of these movies. That does feel like something that should have been paid off eventually. And I'm a little sad that they didn't do that. But like, if you look at how the quality of this one has kind of diminished in 2007, like you're telling me we would have gotten another in 2011 with the same cast and with Black Cat, who is like another character who is there kind of just to like flirt and have a sexual relationship with Peter. Um, like, uh-huh. I don't think that movie would have been good. Yeah. So I'm fine with us not getting that. Instead, what's coming down the line? What's the next movie? It's The Amazing Spider-Man. What year is that? 20... 2012. Yeah. So there are five years between this and the next one. Whoa. I want to ask you about the Sandman Uncle Ben thing, because I was really confused. Obviously, you see the flashback the first time and they like retcon that it was Sandman who killed him. But in that flashback, there is like no reason whatsoever for him to kill him. Like he pushes him out of the car and Uncle Ben is basically like knocked out on the ground and then he just shoots him in cold blood for no reason. Yeah, And then we see the second scene where he explains it. And this is not exactly the words he says, but it looks like his partner kills him. What it looks like is that his partner, the guy who we thought killed him in the first place, did actually shoot him. And Sandman was just there holding a gun after he got shot. And then the partner takes the car and drives away. And Sandman is there with like the blood on his hands, even though... Uh, he didn't do it. That's hmm. how it's shot. But all he says is like, it was so quick and I was the one holding the gun. What I thought happened, but is also not super clear in, I think, in the movie, was that he had pulled Uncle Ben out of the car. And as the other guys running past, he was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like we're getting in and he got either jostled or jumpy and shot him in the midst of that, mm. not meaning to shoot him, but just because he had a gun already. He had like already right. was pointing a gun at him. And so if he gets bumped or if he gets startled and he shoots him. So like, that's kind of what I took from it. So it was still that it okay. was Sandman who did it, but I agree that it's not super clear in that little cut cutaway scene. So who can say, I also just think that the moment that they bring that up, in this movie is i guess it's the only way to do it if you're gonna do it that way but it is a classic like the sibling you didn't know about you know yeah like the scream three thing you know oh yeah i did i wrote down scream three at one point in this the retconning the retcon yeah they're all i was also reminded of x-men apocalypse and some Mm. other threes that like start with the world being perfect like Mm. where the third movie starts with all the problems have been solved and then a bunch of new ones crop up, you know, mm. a really interesting choice for the beginning of your third movie. Okay. Well now it is time for MVP 
OTP our most valuable player other than Peter Parker. Emmett, who is your MVP? I think I'm going to have to give it to Bruce Campbell for this one. I really love that scene. Mm. I think it's really good fun. And, you know, for his overall participation in the series, whenever he's there, it feels more like a comic book because he's such a big character. How about you? My MVP has to be Magina Tova playing Ursula, the landlord's daughter, <laughs> the weirdest character in any of these movies. Oh my god. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> the landlord's daughter who has a crush on Peter and a passion for baking, and in this movie also has become like a shipper of Peter and MJ. Despite they make it clear that she still does have a crush on Peter, but she is like the person in the background rooting for them to work out and like for things to be good between the two of them. Very strange. It's all very strange, but she is like very funny and weird and committed and just a strange, strange occurrence. Again, one of the other things evil Spider-Man does is tell her to make more cookies with chocolate chips. (laughs) I mean, it's not nice behavior, but is it evil? I don't know. I agree. Okay, Emmett, final thoughts. Any final thoughts on old Spider-Man 3? This is a movie that things just like more weird things keep happening. And for a long time, I was watching this movie and I was like, like a lot of things are happening, but nothing is going anywhere. And then all of a sudden it was the end of the movie. And I was like, okay, no, that went somewhere. So, you know, it's a ride. I would say hop on. Wade, any final thoughts? Lots of just like weird little incongruous things in this movie. You can't even begin to touch all of them. But like the weird moment where Spider-Man is like, I'm the sheriff around these parts. And, like, now all the cops love Spider-Man, even though oh, they yeah. hated him at the beginning. Like, that's that's all a weird thing. Actually, uh, a pretty well-staged moment. I forget who causes it, but where, like, the office building is falling and uh-huh. uh, Gwen Stacy is, like, hanging off the side of the building. Uh-huh. That scene, I think, is actually, like, very scary and, and well done. But it keeps cutting mm-hmm. to her dad, the police captain, and... Topher Grace, her boyfriend, and they both are like mildly concerned. <laughs> They're like mildly annoyed that she's hanging off the side of the building. Like no one is doing anything and they're not showing any shock whatsoever. Damn. <laughs> the fact that it's happening. That's just what happens around there. But I do love Kirsten Dunst singing twice in this movie. I love that oh, it's yeah. low key a musical and she starts and ends it with the musical number i like that i feel like it makes sense that this movie went on to spawn an unsuccessful broadway musical as the next sequel in the official spider-man franchise (laughs) that's true this this is really makes sense as the stepping stone onto the musical scene if there was like a pro shot version of turn off the dark somewhere we would probably cover it Unfortunately, I signed a contract to never cover any snuff films, so I will not. (laughs) (laughs) Now it is time for Bums the Word, our quiz game, our favorite part of each and every week, where I have 
10 films. We're going to see how many of them Emmett can guess. Point for every film guessed correctly. Now, these are, and I hope you haven't looked at these in advance, we are doing the top 10 highest grossing films of 2007. I had not, I had not looked at it. A very eclectic list. And I want to start by saying, when I looked these up, I was wondering if we had ever covered any movies from 2007. We have, in fact, covered two. So I will give you a bonus point up front, Emma, if you can name either of the 2007 movies that we've covered before. Um, well, one of them is Francis Ha. Nope. Uh, oh, but I'll tell you, you got the right series. You got the right series there for one of them. Yeah, Mistress America is 2010. So whatever the other one is. Oh, oh, I can't do it. It's hurting my brain. I don't know. I don't know what they were. <laughs> the other two movies this year were Eagle vs. Shark and uh, Hannah Takes the Stairs. Whoa, that early on. Wow. Okay, so I'm looking at lo-fi rom-coms is what we're looking for for 2007, right? Well, let me see. No rom-coms in this top 10, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> Anything else with a budget under than $50? Certainly not this first one, the 10th highest grossing film of the year. This is a big R-rated action-heavy comic book adaptation. Not a superhero film, but a comic book adaptation. Is it Sin City? No, but that's that's the right sort of vibe. It is another comic book by Frank Miller. Okay. The director of this is a very specific sort of action auteur. I've got to say, I was reminded of his work watching Spider-Man 2 in the scene where they all carry Peter Parker as though he's Jesus with his arms outstretched. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) Is this some Zack Snyder um, joint? (laughs) It is. Is this an I Am Legend uh, no, this is set back in the day. This is a historical historical movie of warriors in an ancient time. Oh, it's is it 300? Yes, it is 300. Zack Snyder's, Zack Snyder's 300. 300. Uh, his second movie after his Dawn of the Dead remake, which is the one I've heard is actually pretty good, but I've never seen it. Interesting. Film number nine, the ninth highest grossing movie of 2007. This is a sequel. It is the second in a series, and this movie never gets any more sequels, but it is an adventure movie. It's actually like an adventuring movie. Adventuring movie. It's about... It's a sequel. A team of people going out and adventuring. (laughs) Okay, can can I get some more info about it? This is a family movie, I would say. It's sort of an, a kids-appropriate movie. It's got like kind of a famous wild lead actor, like a guy who sometimes people love, and sometimes he's just like giving bug nuts performances, but he's like always very committed. The first movie was a big breakout hit. This movie is less beloved. I think this movie is very bad. Is Nicolas Cage in this movie? It is a Nicolas Cage movie. It's not... Ghost Rider 2, is it? No. Venturing Group. It's a Disney movie. Oh, wait. Is this National Treasure 2? Yes. That's not the official title. Book of Secrets. (laughs) That is correct. 
<laughs> We've opened the book of secrets. Film number eight would now be a Disney film, was not at the time. It is finally making a movie out of an incredibly long-running animated TV show. But unlike the last one, it's not a TV show for little kids. So it's from an incredibly long-running animated TV show. This is the first film adaptation? The first and so far only film adaptation. Is it live action? No, it's, it's animated. Oh, is this The Simpsons movie? That is correct. The Simpsons movie. A movie which features the well Spider, Spider-Man theme song with little spider pig, spider pig. Okay, next on the list, this is a movie that you mentioned already in this quiz. It is a post-apocalyptic action movie uh, with a headlines-friendly star at this present moment. Headlines-friendly star. Um, a star who's recently been in the headlines for reasons that he oh. probably wishes he wasn't. Oh, you mean I Am Legend? Yes. This was a dark and twisty year, wasn't it? Truly. Film number six, less dark and twisted, depending on your perspective, I'll say. This is an animated movie from a very popular American animation studio. It's in completely original movie, not based on anything, no sequels. Obviously, hugely popular at the time, but it's kind of like a cult meme classic today, this movie. Is it Wally? No, but it is a Pixar film. It's a very culinary. Oh, Ratatouille! Yes, Ratatouille, directed by Brad Bird of The Incredibles and the Iron Giant fame. Wow. Film number five is a sci-fi film. It is based on a cartoon series and also a toy line from the 80s. This is a first movie that was pretty popular, and then this series went on forever and was truly <laughs> like the bane of our existence. Is it Transformers? That is correct. Transformers. You know, I called it all the way back then. I thought that Shia LaBeouf was a tool. <laughs> Film number four. This is a threequel in a mainline series of four films, although there are spinoffs. This is an animated movie, and it is one that we almost had to cover at the beginning of this year. I think we were two votes away from covering this movie in Bumtober last year. Which number was it? You said it was the This sequel. is the third movie. Oh, the threequel. Shrek the third. Yes. Shrek the third. Get Shreked a third time all over again. Uh, film number three is Spider-Man 3. Film number two is the fifth movie in a long-running series of adaptations of kids' books. It's the first one directed by the guy who will continue to direct them no matter what. He will not stop. You cannot stop it. He's still doing it. Is this Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix by David Yates and the other one? It is indeed. It is indeed. Wow, wow, wow. A massively disappointing movie for me. (laughs) Kind of the reason that I that I took a step away from the Potter fandom at the time. But that's a story for another day. Yes, someday, listener, we will do the entire 12-film, or wait, no, 13-film series or whatever (laughs) it's going to be. 
Okay, and the number one movie of the year, this is a threequel. It's sort of wrapping up a trilogy, although it is the third of five movies in this series so far. This is a series you love, Emmett, and I believe you like this particular movie as well. This is Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End. It is indeed running two hours and 50 minutes, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Is it seriously two hours and 50 minutes? (laughs) Yeah, I just just saw it there and had to reference Oh my god. Well, here let me let me just say that that movie is monstrously too long, but it is a very satisfying conclusion. I mean, with those movies, they had no idea they were making a trilogy when they made the third one, the first one. So they just like the second and third are basically a trilogy smushed into two movies after the first one, which kind of introduces everything. I feel like they're really good. Hmm. I am not a fan of four or five, but I do love all the original three. That's a hill I'd die on right there. Pirates of the Caribbean, good movies. Well, you got a lot of people with you. I mean, that made it very far in Bumtober, and I know past and future guest Chandler Pennington is huge about Ooh. these movies. People mm-hmm. really like those movies. So. Yeah. Not just you. Hell yeah. Well, congratulations, Emmett. An excellent performance. 10 for 10 on the films of 2007. You have won the game. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's coming up next? What are we going to talk about in the coming days? In a mere nine weeks, we are into the single digits until we will be watching Jordan Peele's Nope. The year of Nope continues nine weeks until we will have seen it. But until then, next week, next week on our usual Tuesday, thank God it isn't Monday because next week we're going Garfield. We're watching The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012 with old Andy Garfield himself. Oh my gosh. A brand new Spider-Man. Well, very excited for that. And dear listeners, Wade, everybody out there who might be considering there's like a symbiotic thing that wants to bond with you in some way and then increase your powers but also turn you into kind of a rude person. Don't do it. And instead, stay frosty. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp. And our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week 